Welcome back to Thoughts on the Tinkerage, uh, episode 14, and today we are indeed in the Tinkerage. Uh, hopefully the sound of Storm Francis blasting uh, the south and west of England, where we're on the edge of it, won't be uh, too much of an annoyance. So last time I talked about blockages and how sometimes it's important to kind of identify a blockage and then remove it. I thought today, as a bit of a follow-up, just talk about the fact that all we need to do once we've identified the blockage is make steps to remove it step by step. And it's that step word that we often forget about. Progress is still progress, however fast it is. Some people make crazy amounts of progress by just working to a point which is unsustainable. Others worry that their progress is so slow they may not they may as well not bother. And that both are harmful in different ways. It doesn't matter how quickly we, we achieve something. I think I think it as a as a world, particularly in Europe, America, the, maybe the, what we might call the more developed nations, but I, maybe the developing nations suffer the same thing. We suffer from comparatonitis. I, I think that I, that's something to be worthy of talking again. Most of that is driven by the media. Yeah. Oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you're this old. You should have that. You should have a house. You should have a car. You should have a, a, a full-time job. You should have a job that is a nine to five and, and pays you bonuses and makes you rich. And you've got to have these clothes. Yeah, you've got to have the two point six children, and it's all cobblers, really. Apart from cobblers, cobblers, cobblers are good. I like cobblers. I don't think we have enough cobblers anymore. Yeah, we should be repairing shoes, not just throwing them away. But that's a, that's another aside for another time. I can remember once on a a gold Duke of Edinburgh award expedition, a group of us, I think there were four staff altogether, took some students up to the Lake District in the north of England. And at various days, we were only allowed to supervise. We weren't required to, we couldn't assess the students. We couldn't guide the students. All we had to do is every day check in to make sure that they were okay. And a local assessor would ensure that they were up to the required standard. And obviously inform us if there were any issues when they were checking them. So we had ideal opportunity to, to go for some really quite nice walks. And we would often we would divide and conquer and take different points so that we could just check on the students, sometimes from afar, sometimes by meeting them at various stages, sometimes at a campsite, sometimes mid mid walk. We had a we knew what their route was supposed to be, and they were, of course, naturally expected to stick to that route. And I can remember one quite early on in the week. Uh, walking up, not directly, but walking up a, a a valley just to the side of Helvellyn and it's quite a steep walk there was a, a tarn at the top and there were just two of us myself and a, a one of the senior management team and we both had very different styles of walking certainly when I was younger and, and this was I was still in my 20s no I was, I was early 30s through my sort of late teens and my twenties, my kind of approach to hills would be to just blast them, just to uh, literally 
there's a hill, I'm up it as quick as I can possibly get up it. And yeah, maybe it sounds a bit boastful, but I was I was quick up hills. I I had the ability to just dig down deep physically on hills and just power away and just I, I just like to yeah, get to points where I could see see as far as possible. So I would often just kind of see a hill, attack it and yeah, just get up as high as quickly as possible. And you know, sometimes just however steep it was, even if sometimes I had to scramble or even climb, I would just take possibly sometimes the most direct routes, or certainly, you know, with experience you can tell whether something's direct is quicker or whether the slightly longer route might be quicker. And I was I was good at that. And I took the approach on this particular day to just hit certain landmarks on the way up. It's quite a significant climb. I think to get to the coal, just to the, I remember, I think it was to the west of Helvenin. It was a good hour, hour and a half of climbing, uh, possibly even close to two hours. And I just kind of took the approach right. I know there's there's going to be some good sites here, and I can take some photographs and meet some other sites. So I would kind of blast up as quickly as possible, take a few photographs, take in the view. And by the time I'd done that, this other guy would just plodded away and 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 reached where I was I was at, and he wouldn't really stop. He would kind of you know, maybe just quickly take in the view and then just carry on plodding. I think it was on the kind of the last quarter of the approach. I'd already reached a, the, the tarn and there was a little bit more of a climb to go, but the, the height of the tarn had really given us quite a bit of exposure. I was a bit reluctant to go on, not never have any sort of fear, just because I don't like walking into wind. So I thought I would wait in a bit of shelter, had a bit of food while he caught up and we kind of regrouped and decided to walk the last bit together and I, I kind of talked to him about his philosophy of getting up the hill because he, he was very much not out of breath I would I'd been kind of blasted a bit get, get a bit out of breath catch my breath and look around take some photographs do the next bit I was that kind of sprint stop sprint stop sprint stop and he just plodded away very much I suppose like yeah, the, the classic tale of the, the hare and the tortoise. But you know, we arrived at the same time. It was just all different styles. He, you know, I was certainly capable of walking all day. He was certainly capable of walking all day. But he told me about his uh, travels in his, his early 20s, I think. He'd spent some time. He'd, he'd gone out down to the Mediterranean and the Aegean, kind of sort of Greece, and walked back over. The Alps through back to essentially back to the UK, and that was quite a kind of yeah, quite an epic journey. I, I certainly have never completed a, a journey so long, uh, not on foot. And obviously, that, that, that was, I was really quite impressed by that. And he explained that, yeah, just his philosophy has always just been of just taking that one step at a time and just not worrying about. The kind of hill in front, but just worrying about that next step. And of course, just taking a, a first step is an easy thing to do. Yeah, as, as 
Chinese saying goes, you know, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And I think in any aspect of our life, if we've identified a blockage, if we've worked something out, and we've identified that, in my case, for example, yeah, the workshop, the tinkerage, my, my sheds in the garden, they're so full of stuff that I've accumulated with the hope of using, with the desire for it not to go to landfill, to, to end up in recycling somewhere, because I might be able to use it. That blockage has actually prevented me, it's reached a point where it's prevented me from kind of moving forward with my making. So by identifying that, I know I've got to get rid of that blockage. I need to do something with it. But certainly with something that big, it's not something that can be done very easily. I certainly, I suppose I could do it quicker, as I, I think I've talked about last time. You know, if I could afford it, I could hire a skip and just throw a pile of it away. I, I don't think that's responsible. I can't afford to hire a skip for that purpose, so it has to be done piecemeal. I do want to go through it and identify those things that I really can do something with. Whether it's, you know, the circular saw blades that, you know, that actually that could turn into a, a nice little project. With the, the one-inch belt sander, get some good quality belts, you know, should be able to do a little bit of knife forming, make some marking knives, for example. Or perhaps making a, a, a cooking knife. Yeah, it'd be nice to have something in the kitchen that I've made. But I know I mustn't beat myself up about doing that, not doing that in one go. As I mentioned at the start, St. Francis is blasting around at the moment. We've got 40 to 50 mile an hour winds today. It's not a suitable day. We've had torrential rain at times. It's not suitable for going and emptying things out of the shed because there isn't space to do it in there. And and yeah, identify things I want to get rid of and, and put the other things back. I, there's enough damp certainly in one of the sheds when I added to it with a pile of wet things from sorting things out in the rain so I think I think it's important it's important to know that any progress is progressive doing something slowly is not a problem now yeah I'm not talking about you know, if you're paid to do something in a certain amount of time and it's identified you should be able to do it in that amount of time and you're not doing it and you get fired then, yeah that that's a different story altogether but if we're we're working on a project doesn't matter what the project is you you're making you're making a dress you're I think my stack of projects now that are different to the things that I do uh you're making a model maybe say you're making a, a an airfix model you know, kind of a polystyrene construction piece by piece model aircraft maybe you're creating a diorama with tiny figures maybe you're working on um model train landscape maybe you're doing your house up and not necessarily with the intention to sell because obviously there can be time pressures on on things like that but you know you're just uh, you you bought a house and it needs work because you've had to buy a cheap to be able to afford in the area that you want to live. It takes time to, to work on those things. It doesn't matter in making what your timescales are. 
I suppose, you know, if you're part of the maker community and you engage in a challenge project, yeah, something like um, Vincent Ferrari's Because We Make Enlightenment Challenge uh, with Ethan Carter, or you're maybe part of the Fools with Tools Facebook group and you take part with the annual, hopefully there'll be another one this year, um, Fools with Tools Christmas trade, a bit like Secret Santa. There's going to be deadlines for those, and you, you have to meet those deadlines. And, you know, I think it's a matter of integrity not to kind of promise to do something and then not engage with that. I think with something like a challenge, of course, if you think, well, I'm going to go for a challenge, so the closing date is the the end of August, trying to reach it and failing to reach it, it ultimately that's not a problem. Obviously, if you've you've got a some sort of customer exchange, you're swapping something. So, like a Secret Center, or you know, you've put something on Etsy, and you've got customers who say, "Look, I want this, and I want this for a Christmas present or a, a wedding present." And there's definite time dates on those. Obviously, you have to reach those. But in your own making, it doesn't matter how long things take. If you take a month to do a project that you've seen somebody else do in a video that takes them a couple of days so what it, it really doesn't matter if you think okay I'm, I'm, i've been doing woodwork I, i've been using pocket holes to make cabinets i really like to make a box using dovetails now some people pick up dovetails really quickly most people it, it takes some time it's actually two years to, to make a, a set of dovetails and maybe three years to make a dovetailed box. If you've enjoyed that process and if you've learned something in that process, it doesn't matter how slow you're going. Now, I will keep it short this week because this is kind of a follow-up to, to last last week. But I just ask people, kind of that kind of call to action. If you've you've got already gone through those stages of identifying blockages and things that are causing you to maybe not progress. To not move forward. Removing that blockage allows you to move forward. It might take time to remove that blockage and that's okay. It might take time to build momentum up after removing that blockage and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that's quick, it doesn't matter if that's slow. Obviously it's great if we make quick progress. Although it could be argued that sometimes making progress too quickly can be a problem. Maybe we don't learn the skills of how to solve problems if we get really good at something. But again, maybe that's something to talk about another time. But basically, you know, if you're making progress, however slow, go easy on yourself. Bye for now.